0: Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. And today uh, I have uh, actually an old friend, uh, she and her husband from Bible College Days. Kathy Tollefson is the executive director of Global Family Canada, an organization with chapters in eight countries. Uh, Today we're gonna be looking specifically at human trafficking in Canada with the goal of educating and inspiring our listeners to get involved in strategies that make a difference. When we think about the hidden magnitude of human trafficking, it can be overwhelming. Uh, if if you had a chance to listen uh, to some of our previous episodes where we interviewed uh, Kelly Franklin from Courage for Freedom, we got a, a bird's eye view into a very troubling part of our world. It can be overwhelming, but if we start to look at the ones who are being freed from slavery, we have a much better story to tell. So I've entitled this episode, Finding the Lost Daughter, because that idea is at the heart of the gospel, finding lost sons and daughters and bringing them home. So welcome, Kathy. And it's, uh, it's been a while uh, since uh, we walked the hallowed halls of uh, Eastern Pentecostal Bible College. Uh, so how are you doing, Kathy?
1: I am good, Kevin. Thanks so much for having me. This is really special.
0: Yeah. Just before we went on, um, you were telling me you and Dale were telling me a little bit about uh, what you're doing and, and where you are. So before we talk about your work life with uh, with the agency, let's talk a little bit about uh, the other part of ministry life and personal life, where you guys live and what are you up to?
1: Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, believe it or not, last month, Dale and I, we celebrated 35 years of marriage. So yeah, that that says that Bible school was almost 40 years ago we were there but um, we have four uh, grown children two are, are married so we've added on two son-in-laws and we also have two grandchildren oh, so, yeah. um, which is we highly recommend it all of oh, the fun yeah. without the responsibility yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah and, uh, you know, we've been in pastoral work, well, except for a few years, Dale was at the international offices, but doing pastoral work for all, all 35 years. But I think, you know, it's hard to, to know exactly, but I think when I became involved in social justice, um, God just kind of wrecked me and wrecked Dale and everything just changed for us and it wasn't overnight but just kind of we started on this process of just feeling like we just um, didn't feel that we wanted to just put church on for church people and uh, God was just doing an unsettling in in our um, in our lives and of course, our kids are all grown and, and out of the house. And so it didn't feel risky at all, as though sometimes when you still have kids at home and your your choices impact their lives and their journey and faith. So we didn't have anybody but ourselves to risk doing something kind of out of the box. And uh, we came to Stouffville and, um, yeah, long story short, we're kind of uh, re planting a church and uh, we just really believe that Canada is now a post-Christian country mm-hmm. and people don't really, you know, come to church. So we're here um, providing just a different on-ramp to faith, a safe space where people can um, investigate faith or come back to faith. Um, and Dale often says we're, we've moved from uh, rows to circles where we face each other. So mm-hmm. we're just on that journey, and uh, we just believe God's leading us in that. And it's in yeah, we're having fun. We're having a lot of fun at this stage.
0: Oh, that's of, great! Uh,
1: life and ministry.
0: Yeah, for those uh, who are not from Ontario, Stowville is a uh, small city about sixty thousand. And uh, you would be what 45 minutes north of Toronto, half hour north, something like that.
1: Yeah, well, we're Depends 20 on minutes. traffic. Yeah, we're 20 you know. minutes to the 401 down the, the 404. Oh, okay, so, so you're right on, yeah.
0: right on the edge. Yeah, of the right. GTA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so well, now let's talk a little bit about your your work life. Um, uh, this podcast uh, focuses, Uh, on on God at work in Canadian cities. And and we like to talk to people that love their communities and feel called to make the world a better place. Um, So um, before we get into some of the solutions and strategies around human trafficking, um, why don't you give us uh, your overview of human trafficking in Canada? Uh, What's going on in Canada? And are there any hotspots, places that are, you know, especially active in human trafficking or is it something that just permeates into every community? What would be your take on all that?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, um, it sounds, you know, you've had a guest on before and I think uh, if you learn one thing, it's a very messy subject, right? It's not really one that you can put into nice, clean, columns and definitions, but, um, you know, I always say, you know, we exist because every day in this country, young girls are being lured, groomed, sold, bought, and raped. And because we know what we know, we're just compelled to do something about it. And at the heart of absolutely everything we do is the belief that these girls and every girl at risk of this is as precious to God as our very own, you know, daughters, granddaughters, nieces, whomever, like they are someone's. And so you have to just really take it down from from the masses to the individual, that, that one girl. And, um, you know, the average age that a young girl is trafficked in Canada is 12 to 14 years of age. And so, you know, this is, is something that I think it, it's, a, it's a dark Canadian secret, right? It's, yeah. it's a dark Canadian secret. And so, um, you know, we find that it is happening um, all across our country, all across our province here in Ontario, Um, you know, and the the number one method is the boyfriend trafficker. That is, Mm. you know, we we have work around the world where, you know, you'll see the brothels in Southeast Asia and different, but, you know, the number one uh, way a girl is lured is through uh, someone posing as as a love interest, as a potential... Uh, to, to lure her, to groom her. And uh, so, you know, we are seeing this happening, you know, gone are the days. Remember when we used to think that like drugs only happened in the big bad city. Right. Well, right. I think sometimes people think that something like trafficking would only happen in, you know, big bad cities. And that is really not the truth that it's happening in communities all across our um, our province because the number one thing that makes a young girl or a woman vulnerable is low value low self-esteem and so that isn't dependent on uh, income you know socioeconomic cultural anything it goes across the board so i think it's really important that we understand um you know what is at the root of it, so that we can begin to, to do something about it.
0: Yeah, you're you're a woman, and uh, you you like every young woman, every young man, for that matter, in our uh, stages of development and growth. Uh, it's amazing to me how every one of us have that in. In inward desire to be loved and and to belong, to be accepted, to be to be cherished, mm. and uh, you know how unfortunate that uh, in that state of such um, you know a fragile vulnerability that um, uh, there are wolves at the door, right? And um, um, well. Um I know that one of the things that that uh, your organization does is something called the the Daughter Project, and uh, that's part of global family. and And so um, is there a, a home for uh, young women in Peterborough?
1: Yeah, right. Well, so the Daughter project really is the anti-human trafficking arm or program of Global Family. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, we work, to help those at risk of sex trafficking by bringing awareness, providing prevention methods, and yes, providing treatment for those who have been impacted. So that's all part of Daughter Project, awareness, prevention, and, and treatment. So uh, you know we have been addressing this issue since June of 2015, bringing awareness mm-hmm. and doing prevention models but uh, just a year ago, last month, we opened our first Canadian shelter for uh, young victims ages 11 to 17, who mm-hmm. have been identified as victims of, um, of sex trafficking. And uh, as, you know, great as it is to have that facility there, it is just beyond heartbreaking what has happened to these precious little girls and you know no matter how much we you know provide help for them you know that they're never going to be the same which yeah. is why the main focus of you know we what we really want to do is prevention so that these things would never ever happen uh, i i trust today come that we don't need the house anymore I highly doubt that that will happen in Mm -hmm. this sinful broken world but our real main focus we want to is to bring awareness of this issue and therefore then be able to bring prevention and yes yes we do have have the shelter there and boy it is all thanks to um, amazing Canadian people that gave Uh, donors that is really you know I mean it's just been amazing to see people who gave to open that home and to know like they really are the champions of this that have made this this possible to help these these precious little girls
0: I think a good good starting point in the conversation here is is to talk about uh, you know something like the daughter project so when how does how does a young woman uh, come into a a home like that? Uh, What are the steps to get there? Because uh, if they are enmeshed in trafficking, it's it's not like you you they just uh, show up at your door. No, there's a whole lot of things that happen before before someone can even escape from trafficking. So talk a bit about that.
1: Well, uh, you know, as an organization and and we do network, we have a network in in eight or nine countries now. And and even though we've opened, uh, I believe this is our 14th uh, home. uh, The only other North American one is in Bakersfield, California. And so even though as an organization, we've opened many homes, Every single place you go to, there's different laws, different rules. And so you have to find your path because we care for underage children. That really makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And may I just say that, you know, because a lot of, of work is for 18 and over, which makes yeah. it a lot easier, or even 16 and over. And so opening this home because it's for underage girls Boy, it was really challenging here in, in Ontario, and so um, you know it it's, you know because we have really strict laws, which can mm-hmm. sound good, but at the same time, it can hinder when you're the one who's wanting to help as well. So we can you, actually can you impact
0: that a little bit? Uh, you know, sure. what kind of what kind of laws uh, have make it difficult to uh, to get on track?
1: Yeah. So, well, first of all, because we don't have direct access to the girls, the the laws here in Ontario um, are that, um, you know, other pla- like Children's Aid Society, if you, mm-hmm. you know, under a certain age, automatically, like even, you know, we work with the uh, Canadian Centre to End Human Trafficking that has the hotline. But as soon as a young girl identifies herself as being underage, CAS has to get involved. Right. And then once they're involved, it's not necessarily a direct path to treatment. Often, most often, they are lost in the system. And so mm. these are things that we are at the grassroots now of facing systemic issues that are a gap in services to underage girls. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, I I don't want to speak ill of anybody (laughs) because, um, you know, they're dealing with the tyranny of the urgent and they don't have, you know, you know, whatever, like, it's just it, it boils down to an issue. It's not about blaming, it's at looking at what's happening. So uh, um, having contact with underage victims, we're finding challenging, because we know they're out there, but we don't have direct access to them, because they have right. to go through this system that they right. get lost in the system so right. we're only a year in and may I say we've learned a lot even in that year in that of uh, you know um, have a clearer vision so now as an organization then now we're beginning um, to push for those things push for Um, you know, things that would say, if a girl's identified as being trafficked, then you're held hold accountable to make sure she goes into treatment. And so those are some things that are just unique to the setup here in Ontario, that, you know, we because we are, um, it's a trauma informed care. So we Mm -hmm. respond to their trauma instead of reacting to it where most other facilities would just react, right? Right. So even though we know how to do that and we know how that looks around the world, we still face unique challenges. And in many ways, they've been even more challenging here in, in Canada, in Ontario, than the access that we have to girls in Thailand or Nepal or other places. We have direct access. We work alongside with the police but it's just different here. So we are yeah. finding, um, we're, we're fighting for those girls, um, here in, in Canada.
0: Uh, part of what, what your, uh, organization does is, uh, you talk about, uh, prevention, mm-hmm. uh, protecting, uh, girls in our community. Uh, in other words, <clears throat> before they, um, slip out the door and, and, uh, meet that guy at the mall and -hmm. then get abducted or anything like that. Um, you want to prevent, um, young, young women from, uh, being seduced by the lies. So what, what can parents and what can any of us do to safeguard a generation of young women?
1: Right. Yeah. Well, um, you know, Studies show us in Canada that growing up, little Canadian boys and little Canadian girls, they're, they're trucking along just about the same as far as value and self-esteem till about nine years of age. Yeah. And then we begin to see that little girls, their self-esteem starts to go, go down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, boy, we could do a whole podcast on that. I'm sure, Kevin, it's yeah, a complicated yeah. thing. But the truth of the matter is, is that we are raising our young girls in a toxic soup of hypersexuality, right? Mm -hmm. They are being objectified from a very young age and they're being told their value is about how they look, how they dress, their attention comes from that not about their accomplishments, they don't see their bodies as what that body can do for them, they get um, their their response, their value is in how they look. And so then it becomes and of course, now, you know, I I just have this really conflicted uh, relationship with social media. I mean, we use Mm -hmm. it as an organization for good. Mm -hmm. But gosh, it is a toxic weapon out there, right? That little girls are looking for their value for their um worth on this really crazy platform that is not realistic that that it's it's edited it's it's you know it's not truth and so girls are really really struggling and and you know we know that um girls canadian girls well you know women for that matter too mm-hmm. but we're talking about girls you know, low value, low self-esteem, boy, it's down there. And they are perfect prey, perfect prey for traffickers to come along and feed into them exactly what they want. And so it's alluring, it's a grooming. And you know what I would have to say, I mean, I'm not here to tell you that you know, 100% a girl is never going to be abducted. But the truth of the matter is, is if we see that as being the issue it's not really true girls are groomed and lured and then you know it's a process that they go along that then they're alienated and then they just begin to go down this path that you know and it's really complicated too right there's there's trauma bonds they're in love with this guy you know it's really hard for those of us who aren't in the midst of it to understand like oh you know if if a girl you know uh, You know, can escape. Why doesn't she? Well, we also know that in Canada, a girl will leave and go back to her boyfriend trafficker seven to 10 times before she stands a chance of actually maybe breaking free. And again, for you know, Mm. your listeners, for you and I, that's tough to understand but we're not here to try to explain that or understand it to the common person. We're just saying, that's how it is. That's the messed up of it is. And really, you know, for those who it resonates with, you know, it's kind of like, it, it is, That that is how it is. We can't really convince you or explain, you know, um, yeah. trauma bonds and all of that. But just to say that, that is what these people, these young girls are dealing with. And so they need compassion. They need grace upon grace. They need for every time they leave and go back into it and they want to, um you know, uh, come out again, we're going to give them another chance and they go back. So just a lot of grace, a lot of, of understanding that they are really, really messed up. And so, you know, uh, for everyone, we're just called to just really Maybe we won't understand why it happened. We most certainly don't want to look at parents and say, well, what did they do wrong or those sorts of things. This is a sin problem. This is totally a sin problem. again, it's not a man problem. You know, sometimes men feel really alienated in this issue, but it's not a man problem. It's a sin problem. And that's why we really have to identify these core things so that we can stand together shoulder to shoulder to try to find uh, solutions instead of, you know, categorizing people as good or bad or those sorts of things. So we, you know, because the average age is 12 to 14, we really encourage um, looking at from a younger age. So, you know, at eight years of age, our our, our prevention programs target from eight years of age and up to go after the root issue of low value, low self-esteem. And this is kind of taken on, um, you know, it's kind of girls empowerment clubs or safe spaces where young girls can come and uh, be mentored by women and really learn their value, their worth. Yes, being aware of risks that are out there, but it's a real offensive approach as opposed to a defensive approach, right? Like, how can we protect them? Well, let's raise strong confident, healthy young women who are better prepared. I mean, that's a win-win-win for them all around and the other girls around them. So that, yeah, when they are faced with that risk or other risks that come their way, they're better prepared to face risks that are inevitably going to come to them, be they someone trying to traffic them or just um, you know, sexually cross the line or any other things. It's not just, you know, we we know we're looking for them, you know, to, to prevent that, but we know it's a full deal raising strong, confident, healthy young girls. We also know that when you impact a girl, you influence a family. And you influence a neighborhood and a community because, you know, around the world, we see it may look different, but at the same time, we see that um, there's on ramps for little boys into society Mm -hmm. all over. They may look different, but little girls begin to face ceilings, begin to face ceilings. But when we empower them to break through that ceiling, you end up with this mighty little person that's ready to address things. And so being aware for other girls around her when they start to see someone who's being lured or whatever. So empowering young girls is going to have this incredible impact on our societies, on multiple different levels, and yes, we really believe that it will make a difference in the issue of when a trafficker comes along, but not just that.
0: Well, that's that's so important to have those kind of empowering strategies. uh, now, um, you know, you're an executive director of an agency, and, and uh, so sometimes your work uh, is very administrative and very much of, <clears throat> you know, being on the, the, the face of an organization, that kind of thing. But what about on the, uh, just on the personal side, um, the, the women that you've met and young women that you've met? That have been trafficked. Is there, uh, you know, when you uh, have one of those days when you're feeling like "Uh, I don't know if I want to go into work tomorrow, even though work is probably from your home office right now. Um, But is there, are there some um, women that their story kind of just propels you forward and and keeps you going?
1: (laughs) How, How do you pick? How do you pick, because, yeah. you know, the why we do this is, is the center, like keeping the why these young girls, that's why we do it. Cause it's yeah. tough.
0: Well, let me, it's let tough. me ask you for two examples.
1: Well, okay. One, so
0: one example uh, of one that uh, just wrecked you, it messed you up and there was not a happy ending. Tell me a story like that. And then tell me another story where um, it was nothing short of miraculous oh. to to see uh, someone get rescued.
1: Right. Well, in all honesty, I'm not really sure in the one year yet. Um,
0: That's kind of a okay. short runway. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a short <laughs> runway to give you that kind of answer because no, we are still, yeah. you know, but, but I'll tell you reasons why we're, I'm so glad we have that home. So, You know, uh, one of the things that I am so aware of, and again, I don't fault because I was that person not too many years ago, but we don't understand that this is a Canadian problem, that it's happening Mm -hmm. all around us. And if we don't think that this is happening in our neighborhoods and in our churches, we are deceiving ourselves, right? Right, So let me tell you two really quick, and then I'll tell you. Like I think of of a, a parents who back before COVID, remember when we used to go out and do things in person, and I, used I, I to have speak a f- at events faint <laughs>
0: memory of days. Yeah. Of so freedom. before
1: I used to do this all online, <laughs> I actually used to go and speak to people, and there were parents who 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 would show up that their, their, their daughter was you know trafficked. I knew she'd been she was currently trafficked, and she had. Um, been lured away from them at age 14 and they just kept you know showing up maybe two three times at events where I was speaking and I remember the day you know and you just what do you say you know this was before our shelter and the last they'd heard she was down in Florida somewhere uh, working out of a strip club but you know what, what do you say to these parents of that this has happened to their 14 year old little girl you know And I remember so poignantly, um, and, you know, I'd I'd met this woman a few times then, and I remember her looking at me and saying, you know, Kathy, I'm an RN. and, And no one, no one at my work knows that this has happened and is happening to our family. And that just really stuck with me of the secrecy of it because we'll say, well, I haven't heard about it or I don't know, or I don't see it. And this is another thing where Canada needs to understand it's never going to look like it does in Southeast Asia where you see the girls, you know, and then the travel tourism and the brothels, it's, it's, it's behind closed doors. And so, you know, let me real quickly tell you too, like, I'll never forget the day I was sitting at my, my desk. We were still living in Whitby then my phone rang. It was, it was a PAOC pastor from a church, someone I knew, and they were shell shocked as they sat there saying, I have, uh, you know, parents in my office right now who I've known for many years, and they have just told me right now about their daughter that was trafficked from them. I don't think that she used this language at, I think, about 15, that girl. was. She was yeah. now 21. Two children had been born out of this, you know, they tried to get her back, this was her boyfriend she was in love with and, you know, our home hadn't been open and so you know she's 21 a baby was involved. And so we got her into a woman's shelter. So, again, it's these things of like you're trying to say, if, you, if we think this isn't happening in our churches, or, because such secrecy is involved in it, people aren't out saying, you know, oh, this is happening to our family, there's shame, there's all sorts of things, you know. Why I'm so glad that our home is opened, that the latest little girl that came to us, she's 12 years old. She came to us from the Hamilton area. This little girl, what has happened to her, she is so messed up. I mean, barring a miracle, which we all believe in, but she is so messed up. And even though she is at our home, she, and, and by law, we cannot prevent her from going out, okay? This is another mm. law that we, we are facing yeah. because it's to protect yeah. these girls from, you know, we're under the same jurisdiction of a foster family. So it's to protect her from somebody not allowing her to her freedoms. So again, it doesn't make sense, but we cannot prevent her from going out. She is so messed up that... Well, I haven't heard of last night, so maybe not last night, but almost every night since she's come to us in the last few months, she goes out. Now, staff follow her until she loses them. The police are called every night, you know, to try Mm. to follow her. And she is soliciting herself. Mm. Okay. She is soliciting herself. And I know on one occasion, the police found her finally one night, intervened as she was being gang raped by a group of Uber drivers.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: Right? And so I'm happy because we keep taking her back, right? We keep taking her back, whereas other places where she's been before us they just move her along, move her along, move right. her along. Right. And she still believes that we are going to move her along. And we has as of yet, the team has not reached the stage because she's testing them, you know, yeah. on how much. Yeah. So it's early days for us. And, and you know, maybe we'll check back in, in a year or so of what's happened. But this is messy, horrible stuff that we deal with. And we say, you know, as the team, as we're so heartbroken, because, and again, we're frustrated at laws that we can't stand in the way, and we're going to try to change those to give us different jurisdiction, or I don't know, you know, what it is, but we recognize this is is greater than just running this home, which we need patronage for that, but we need a war chest to change laws that stand in our way. We need a war chest to go after systemic issues of the child welfare system that is hindering us from getting to these girls. we're at war here for, for these little children. So I'm glad that we're open. I mean, I tell you the other two kind of as an eye opener of like, this is happening, whether you see it in church, at work, whatever, just because somebody hasn't told you their daughter, this has happened to doesn't mean you're not, it's closer to you than you think. Mm -hmm. And I tell you the horrible story of this little 12 year old, Because I hope it keeps us awake at night of the horrible truth of that reality to say, we've got to stay open. We've got to have the resources. We've got to be there because she is just one of so many little girls out there that need a place that will keep taking her back, that will be there for her. uh, And we trust and we pray that sooner than later, she's gonna start to break down and trust That we are responding, that that no matter what she does, that this is a safe place for her to begin to work out this trauma, that there is a different way. So it's probably not the fairy tale ending you're looking for, because that's the raw truth of where we are, are at, Kevin. I always say, Kevin, I was much funner at parties before I got this job, because what I do is just horrible. And once people start to talk about what I do, it's a bit of a downer, but I'm just wrecked. You know, I am just wrecked that God, you know, uh, once you find out the truth of this that's happening to our little children Like, we're a developed country. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This is a Canadian reality. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be on board of this. But for those that this um, just rings anything with, we're just calling out and saying, come alongside us. There's those who can give. Hey, give. Prayer. Prayer prevention not everybody can do everything but as we you know we say we're better together right as right, we find right. what we can do together we have got to push this forward and make a make a difference but i really believe it comes back to awareness right yeah, uh, yeah. making canada aware i mean i have dreams of billboards on the 400 <laughs> series you yeah. know that says this isn't just a Cambodia problem. This is a Canada problem. Do you know right, what I mean? Right. And we've got, because I feel kind of like, you know, with my resources, I've, I've been, I got a flashlight that I'm shining this light into a right. very dark secret. But we need stadium lights. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. just really addresses this issue. Because, you know, um, what did William, William Wilberforce say? Like, you know, you might look away, but you can no longer say, I didn't know. And so once people become aware of it, then they have to say, okay, what, what am I going to do, do about it?
0: Yeah, well, you know, Kathy, um, uh, I would never want you to apologize for being Debbie Downer at a party. Um, <laughs> one because I remember that that's not not your personality.
1: Well, my ta- <laughs> what, I, what my work though, really. You're not of-
0: naturally <laughs> a negative. Do you know how bad it is, person? But no. But I do want to thank you though, Kathy, because. Because you're willing to stand with your eyes open and, and see what's there, um, that, that makes you a, a prophet to the nation. People need to know the ugly truth, and, uh, but uh, like, like the prophets of old, uh, they also, in, in exposing the darkness, were always able to point to, to the cure. They're always able to point to. I don't know how this problem can be quickly resolved. I I, I think that we are probably reaping something that's been decades in the making. You know the uh, the sexual revolution uh, of the '60s and '70s. Uh, you know, time when when we were born, um, our generation was led to believe a lot of lies about sexuality and uh the the end result is just so much brokenness so much destruction um people are in spite of what it appears like i think that the world is probably uh, a lot less sexual than what they used to be in terms of real healthy sexuality Everything is so twisted, so perverted, so upside down, you know, and, and, and uh, so in the absence of something that's beautiful, um, the, the, the darkness brings that which is twisted and, and human trafficking is so twisted. It's so uh, insidious. And uh, so thank you. Thank you for exposing yourself and being willing to, to hold up your flashlight. And, uh, but yeah, how do we get to those stadium lights? You know, mm. um, I think, um, you know, before we talk a little bit more about, um, what, what could be, um, I want to just stop and, and, uh, ask you, so, um, let's suppose that somebody uh, is watching or listening to this. And uh, they're going through it in their family. Let's say it's a, a parent who has uh, has a daughter um, that that uh, they don't even maybe know where she is, um, but she's been trafficked. And uh, what do you want to say to mom and dad um, about about their daughter, knowing that um, you know that you can't just placate them you can't just say it's going to be all right because it might not be so what what do you say to parents that are really busted up and broken and hurting because right. their child their daughter is lost
1: yeah I mean words seem so inadequate when you talk to parents with something like that but just to say you know that, my heart is broken with you that I want to, you know, stand with you and just uh, cry with you and mourn with you. And, and just, you know, it's, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And, you know, to tell them they aren't alone. There are other parents, but I know that that doesn't bring any relief at all, you know? Um, And, you know, that it's not your fault. It's not something that you did or didn't do. Like, don't believe those lies. You know, this is, it, it's not, it's not about blame. And if, if you haven't already reached out for help and support, please, please reach out, you know, yeah. uh, go to daughterproject.ca and we will do everything that we can to help you uh, plug in. There are parent support groups for other parents if that's something that you feel would help you um there are resources out there but you see it's in darkness and it's in in the alone place that these things just fester right right and you know i i i don't think we'll you know i i I, your um Thoughts on the the sexual revolution and all of that. I mean, I think it's for sure part of it, and all of that. But I also believe that, um you know, it's it's my heart's desire that the Church of Jesus Christ be the engine to this solution, not the mm. caboose. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. be the engine. But do you know what? It involves. Um, being willing to talk about things that traditionally we don't talk about at church, right? Yeah. yeah, And it means being willing to be vulnerable, to be uncomfortable, to be all of those things. You know, like again, back pre-COVID when I actually went and, and spoke and uh, you, there's there has rarely been a time where I spoke at a church that afterwards, I mean, you, you know, you get, you, you get the, the two lineups of people. The one is like, I still can't wrap my brain around the fact that you're, you're talking about Canada, you know, this is yeah. happening in Canada. And then there's those of like, oh you know thank goodness like somebody is actually addressing this and the whispers you know of this this happened to me or i was mm-hmm. almost lured or i see this or but it hasn't always been a safe non-judgmental place to talk about these things right and so right. i think again it's not about laying blame it's about being willing to look and say I think that's a growth area in the church, right? It's not about saying, oh, why, you know, say, I, I think that we need to be willing to talk about uncomfortable things. And that when I come to my faith group, that it's a safe, non judgmental place for me to say, I've had a struggle or my child's having a struggle. And as those spaces become, you know, more, um, you know, like it's because that this is a dark secret the risk, the the profit is high right now and the risk is low because no one is seeing that it's happening. But as soon as we begin to recognize that this is happening, the risk becomes way higher. And that's what we want to see, right? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
1: so in darkness, these things fester, right? This is growing, it's growing, it's growing. But when people aren't talking about it, or aren't addressing it, but as soon as we're, it it becomes, you know, we're, we're, we're Putting the lights on, like we say, then I believe the risk goes up and the chances, you know, it's risk, it becomes riskier for that trafficker, right? And so we're going to have an impact, right? So let's just start talking about it. That will bring, That's a prevention method right there because it gets riskier. Our eyes become open to us. And then we begin to see things that we didn't see before, right? Older guys chatting up girls that shouldn't be. And Mm -hmm. are we brave enough to step into the moment and say, hey, what's going on? Is everything okay here? Those sorts of things, those moments. Because we say, I want to make a difference, but but. To what level, right? And so, and there's going to be different warriors at different levels doing different things, but we need to say, for our children, I'm willing to make myself vulnerable. I'm willing to make a risk. Yet, Kev, I'm going to tell you, when I first started into this back a few years ago, I had church people say to me, and again, please, I don't want to sound judgmental here, but I'm just telling you my
0: story, right? Tell it like it is. Yeah.
1: People say to me, oh, oh, I just, I just can't even, don't even talk to me about that. I can't hear about that. It's not good for my spirit. I can't Mm. read that. I can't whatever. And again, this is when God's starting to like wreck Dale and I for social justice. Yeah. Yeah. wow okay well that's a pretty uh pretty protected place to be at that you feel like oh I just I just can't it's not good for my spirit like that just it's a downer and I just started to think well if the church isn't ready to address that this is happening to precious little children who are we leaving this to to address these issues so those Mm. are just kind of like things and again I don't I don't want to fault those people because we kind of were raised in that, like, you know, just keep it pure and keep me whatever and keep, so, you know, they, they were being honest, they were being authentic, but my, my, my vision of things just began to change. And I just thought like, Oh, if the places where we go to, uh, to, to, to find faith and to pursue, I personally think that Jesus wants us in the trenches more than we are on many different issues, right? So this, you know, I know this is my issue. There's lots of other, if this, God wants us in the trenches for multiple different reasons. And there shouldn't be any social justice issue out there that as a believer, we would say, Oh, that's just not good for my spirit. I can't address that. <laughs> yeah. I just would yeah. I would admonish us to say, let's let those days be gone and a mm-hmm. new day of saying, this matters to God, therefore it matters to me. And I'm willing to get uncomfortable um, because it's important.
0: Kathy, that, that seems like a good place uh, for us to, uh, to wind down today. And I'm so glad that uh, you took some time to come on and, and tell us about the work that you're doing. We're going to put links in the show notes on the website so that uh, people will be able to uh, get in touch with you and your organization. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. Oh, and thank you. And um, uh, may may God give us the uh, length of days to see some of this change.
1: Amen, brother. Bless you, my friend.
0: Thank you, Kathy Tollefson, for sharing uh, about that incredible ministry that you're involved in. Um, Hey, if uh, this is your first time listening to Sidewalk Skyline podcast, I just want to let you know that uh, you can also uh, join our Facebook group, Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. Uh, You can find us on Twitter. And uh, we uh, broadcast on all uh, podcast platforms uh, as well. Uh, You can find us on YouTube. Uh, If you go to uh, my link, Kevin Rogers, uh, there's uh, a lot of the Sidewalk. Skyline Podcast episodes that are recorded in video, you can view them there and of course everything can be sourced back to uh, the website SidewalkSkylinePodcast.com. Please uh, share uh, these episodes with with other people that you think uh, might find it encouraging or helpful in uh, understanding and uh, in growing in relationship with uh, our cities. Uh, On our next episode, um, a friend of mine uh, from Ottawa is going to be on. Actually, the next two episodes, it's uh, a rich, meaningful conversation uh, with Timothy Meisenheimer. Uh, Tim uh, founded Capital City Mission and uh, after several years there, transitioned to working at Ottawa Mission. And uh, so we're going to be talking about um the heart of uh, an urban mission worker uh, and he's going to share a lot of his insights and then on uh, the second part uh, we're going to be talking about some of the uh, implications for the poor when it comes to covid restrictions and uh, we're getting close to the end of season two i can't believe it it's been an exciting journey having so many of these conversations. And I hear from many of you when I'm traveling and uh, meeting people uh, how much you've enjoyed uh, hearing uh, these conversations. So uh, you can help us uh, keep going by sharing episodes, by uh, hitting like or subscribe and and all those kinds of things. So thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you back real soon. I'm Kevin Rogers and this is sidewalk skyline podcast